<laughs> Can you hear me now? Okay. Father, I just come to you right now and I take authority over tiredness and over oppression and over heaviness. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this place. In Jesus' name, the desire of their hearts when they came was to hear what you have to say. So I speak that into existence. I be bold enough to say, I declare over you, you will hear from God tonight. You will hear from God tonight. Not from me, you will hear from him. You will know that God has touched your heart, given you an answer. Somehow he has connected with you. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have you participate in something. Um, it doesn't require you to get up or anything. The, the ushers are going to come to your aisle, and they're going to pass a pad of paper down with a pen. I want you to put one thing on the pad of paper. How many years have you been serving the Lord? I want you to put that down. It, it's not one person per page. First page may have 10 in entries on it, and then they're going to tally all that up, and I want to know how many years serving the Lord are represented in this particular auditorium tonight. Okay? So, while you're doing that, let's rehearse what we learned last week. Can anybody tell me what the scripture said last week? Oh my. Oh, oh she started it. Susan, Susan started it. I don't have it. Yeah, but you started it. I know that the message about was no stress. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And do not do in all your ways. And he will. Do it one more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Is there a promise there for you? What's the promise? He will direct your path. What do you have to do? Trust. Trust is leaning. And we did an exercise to show how to lean. Is there anybody by a show of hands that used that information at all this week? Oh, there's half a dozen, maybe a dozen people. That's a good thing. They got through. Okay. <clears throat> One of the points that I made last week, that doctors have been very careful. When I put this series together, <coughs> I consulted a few doctors. I was still in the medical profession then. And they were very careful to say that stress is not reality. Stress is your response to something that's happening in your life. It is how you emotionally respond. And those emotions then are converted into physical symptoms on your body. Well, <clears throat> last week we talked about the, the reason the stress that, that we were talking about last week is from repetition, a problem that doesn't go away, and it just keeps showing its head, showing its head, showing its head, showing its head, and there's no release from it. Today we're going on a different but the same pathway, different and same at the same time. Different in the sense that we're going to look at stress that has sudden onset, happens very quickly. This is not the persistent stuff, the repetitious stuff. This is quick onset and kick, up the, kick it up a notch. And they change the name. They call it panic. Have you ever heard that? And probably all of us have been there at some time or another. If you have one attack, 
of panic. They call it a panic attack. If you have several, they call it a panic disorder. And what is the word they always put in front of it if it's something that is all the time? Chronic anxiety disorder. Those all mean the same thing, but in it, different amounts. Can I put it that way? <clears throat> the term panic is sudden strong feeling that prevents reason, reasonable thoughts or actions, feels like you're losing control, having a heart attack, or even dying. Some of you have been there. I remember one day at the zoo, I had two children that were right here, and I'm a hands-on kind of person. I, I kind of keep my hands on their hands. And I let go for some reason, I don't know, to check something. And when I went back, I was minus a hand. <laughs> and you know that feeling that sinks in your stomach and you say, oh my God, what, what could happen? You picture animals eating the child, you know. <laughs> You picture somebody stealing the child, and the child was only just right there, but not within my vision. That is called panic. And you know that it felt kind of odd. There were physical symptoms that came instantaneously into your body. Now, I think this is kind of funny. I'm going to read you the symptoms. The symptoms are not all the same in every person, so they have to give you kind of a broad range. Rapid heart rate, sweating, trembling, shortness of breath, hyperventilation, chills, hot flashes, nausea, cramping, chest pain, headache, blood supply shifting from internal organs to external body parts, like Popeye when he eats his spinach and you see all this muscle come out on his arms. Faintiness, tightness in the throat, high blood pressure, trouble swallowing, a sense of impending death, and mental alertness. Oh my. Those are all kinds, of, all kinds of symptoms that can happen as a result of it, but they're not good feelings. They're, they're very, they feel like the, world, the whole world is dropping out of the barrel. This is called the body's natural fight or flight response. If somebody, oh, I'll give you a real example. We were not married yet. We drove into a parking lot of the place where he was working out of Boston, Massachusetts, and somebody took exception to the fact that he was parking in that parking lot. And my husband, well, to be, got out of that car stood up like I hadn't seen him stand up before. He spread his legs apart and his hips were broad. And he said, did you have something you wanted to say to me? I looked, I said, this is the man I'm going to marry? <laughs> but that, that is a, apparently an example of fight or flight response. A relatively calm, peaceful man, there was a trigger. And the trigger brought out from him the fight response. You know what that is? That is adrenaline. You've heard of that before. It's a hormone that's secreted in the body to get you prepared to make all these things happen. If he had to fight, he needed to have blood supply and energy in his arms and his legs. And it happened just like that. You could see it. This is called the fight or flight response. Yesterday I was watching TV and it was the Animal Channel, and it's this program of people who live in the backwoods in Alaska. And a husband and wife were looking for game to put oh, for the winter, food. So they were in a meadow below, or just maybe their eyes were above the grass, the tall grass and they were looking for some animal that might come their way. <laughs> and up on the other end of the meadow stands a huge brown bear. And the man says to the woman, 
We're down wind. Don't scream. That bear stood up and he's sniffing like this, zeroed in on where that smell was coming from and started loping towards them. And, and of course, the camera man it looked at the woman and the man had his hand over her mouth. He, was, he didn't want her to scream. She was, oh, she was just about. And then an, another animal went across the meadow, probably a gazelle or something like that, and went across the meadow, deterred the bear. The bear went after that animal, and you could see them relax. Now, the fight or flight response. Flight, what if they had to flee? Boy, do you need to have some blood supply in your legs and arms to do that. So the body is made in a very, to me, very incredible way. It's prepared for anything. <clears throat> but you don't want to live there. Amen. I worked for a doctor that was an endocrinologist. And... <clears throat> That was his calling. He was a diabetic specialist. But he really loved emergency medicine. So he was involved in setting up Life Flight out of Herman Hospital. And the doctors that worked in Life Flight often came by, and he was the one that took care of their particular physical needs. So I would hear conversations. And this one particular doctor, his blood pressure was at stroke level. If I remember correctly, it was like, like 250 over 200. I mean, it was, it was just incredible what his blood pressure was. And he was still walking around, and they had tried medicines on him and everything. And as he was leaving, I heard my doctor say to him, you're going to have to make a lifetime decision. I know you're an adrenaline junkie. I didn't know what that was at the moment. It's liking living with that feeling of being on the edge. You see this a lot in sports, like bungee jumping. People who do something like that, they love the rush that they get and the physical response that they get. So. They do it again and again and again. Well, this doctor loved uh, having working with emergency medicine. But what happens in the body is the blood pressure goes up, and then it goes up again with the next patient, and it goes up again with the next patient, and then it goes up, and, and pretty soon the body says, well, you must be sending me a message. I guess I'll stay up there. And they were having difficulty getting his blood pressure down. Well, he made a lifetime decision. He had several children and a wife, and he moved to Colorado. And my sister lives in Colorado, not far from where he moved. I went for a visit to my sister's. And I had his telephone number, and I'd seen him so many times in the office, I was just going to call and say hello from Houston. And I asked, what are you doing now? Did you set up a nice country practice? He has a helicopter on his roof, and he's practicing emergency medicine. I said, do you know the consequences? He says, I know, but it's in me. That's what I want to do with my life. It's hard. We don't want to live that way all the time. Enough crisis comes along. We want to live in peace. We are going to, to look at this word, peace. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to Isaiah chapter 26. <clears throat> and we're going to learn a verse. The learned and memorized scripture that you put on the inside of your brain will save your life more times than once. <clears throat> We're going to learn the scripture, not as it is in the King James. We're going to learn it the way I learned it. It's out of a different translation. It means exactly the same thing. 
We're going to do it like we did last week. Do you remember? I'll give you a phrase and you repeat it and we're going to get it in our brains. It's one sentence. That's all it is. You can do this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Say it. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. Do it with me if you think you can. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Another time. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Now that is a good verse. We're going to be repeating it several times. Tell me, please, what the main part of that verse is. What does it tell you to do to be in peace? It tells you to trust. What part of your body is involved in this? Your mind. And what do you do with your mind? You think, this is the mind that is stayed on thee. Now let's pull that apart just a little bit. Thou wilt keep to guard from danger and watch over. Keep him in perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Literally, that means peace, peace. I like that. Have you ever said no? No. You've repeated the same word for emphasis. Well, God broke it down and he said, that will keep you in peace, 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 peace. Did you get it? He will keep you in peace. Repeated twice for emphasis. This is the idea of unending security, a sense of uninterrupted rest and calmness. I like that. What could I draw on from the names of God that has to do with peace. Jehovah Shalom. That is one of his names. Where does he live? He lives in us. The very nature of God has been born into our spirit man and all love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all the things that God is is in my spirit man. Peace is resident in my spirit man for me to draw from. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. The word means focused. Focused. Like an animal that has blinders on. Have you ever seen the horses that have blinders on and they put a carrot out in front of the horse and dangle it in front of them to make him go? They do that in Louisiana and New Orleans. It means to lean, to rest and support, to stay focused. If your attention and your mind wants peace and you focus in on only the problem, are you going to be at peace? No. You have to decide what you're going to focus on. It's like meditation. They say meditation will, will break stress. It will. But if you meditate on your problem, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> meditate on the word. Meditate on leaning on God. You have to decide what your focus will be. A frame of mind that is receiving support from leaning and therefore is being sustained. That's what one of the commentaries said. I'm going to read it again. To have a staid mind is like steadfast. You've decided what it's going to think about, and that's all it's going to think about. A frame of mind that is receiving support because you decided to lean, and now you're being sustained by that leaning. I think that's really good. 
Because we trust in him. I read something this week that reminded me to trust means no barriers between you and the Lord. To jump expecting to be caught. The description that they had for trust led me back to a, 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 an experience that I had many, many years ago. I had a friend who had a trampoline. I had never been on a trampoline. I was very careful. I was jumping just little tiny jumps and she said take some bigger jumps and pretty soon I was using my arms to Bob, go ahead and put it right up here. Just stick it up there. Thank you very much for your help. Did I just see that? We're going to have some fun with that. She was encouraging me to learn to jump and allow myself to just go and so I, I did get there. I jumped and I sat down and I jumped and I got up and I said, well, I'm never going to do that again because that was not too comfortable, but I did it. She said then, watch me and do what I do. She jumped up high. She put her arms out in front of her and she went down face first on this trampoline. Whomp! Came straight up and she stood up. Now, I didn't do that, but I was impressed that what she had done, and that's what this is talking about. When you trust the Lord, when you're in crisis, when you're in panic, when there's nothing else around, what do you do? You throw yourself down like the, there's no barrier between. You know, that's when long prayers don't count. I've had a few of these times, and I said, my prayer was, this is Cheryl, help! That, that's all I could muster. And I'm sure you have been there too. There wasn't time for explanation or pretty, pretty words, and he knows I love him. He knows I love him. Okay. Because we trust in him. Let's say the verse one more time. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Uh, you'll keep me in perfect peace. That's a desirable place to be. I want to live there in that place of peace. I do. Well, Along comes difficulties. There are three we're going to focus in on tonight. The first one is called unfulfilled dreams. Oh dear. <laughs> Does anybody have, do you know what a bucket list is? It's things that you would like to accomplish before you leave the earth. When I was in my 50s, I still had a good long list. Some of them I have accomplished, some of them I have deleted. I will never do those things unless God moves through my body to do them. But you know, the things that I had planned or I thought I heard God say, there are places in this earth. He told me when I was in my 20s, he said, there's places I'm going to, I have written in my, in my Bible. I listed them down. One was the Philippines. One was Kenya. One was China. One was South America. I've been to all those. And there's three that he gave me that I haven't been to yet. Three places in the earth. That's an unfulfilled dream. And I think it's a valid dream because out of seven, 
if I've been to four of them and did what he told me to do in those four places, I think probably he knew what he was doing when he told me what those other three places were. And, you know, I sit back, and every morning I use this torture thing. I use this, and I fix my hair, and I look and I say, who are you? <laughs> this person doesn't even look like the lady that I know. Do you ever do that? Do you ever look in the mirror and say, when, when, did, when did you get so gray? When did you get so saggy? And then I'm looking at this and I'm saying, oh my goodness. <laughs> and you know, your heart sinks. An unfulfilled dream is a horrible place to be. Tell me at least one or two things that you have not accomplished. There are places that I wanted to go with God. What, what's something that you wanted to do with God? or with your family that you have not fulfilled as yet. Don't waste my time. Come on, come on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's talking to you. What, Ken? I want to go to the Holy Land. I want to see the place. You want to go to the Holy Land. And you know what? When you look here, is it possible that it looks hard to fulfill? Somebody else. What is it, John? Yeah, everybody in here who has kids, we all want that. We want every child serving God. What, Elizabeth? Being adopted, I never knew or had any family roots. No history, none, except I knew my mom and dad were Irish. I always wanted to go back to Ireland. Go back to Ireland. feel some roots. Go to Ireland. Does it With look God, like all things are possible? No, never. <laughs> if you didn't hear, she said, "With God, all things are possible." That is the that is the crux of this whole thing. Yes, son. Once children, the taking care of orphans, and yet we look in the mirror, and it doesn't seem like those things will come to pass, does it? causes a sinking sensation, a real sinking sensation. Unfulfilled dreams. Where am I going to go when panic sets in? Panic didn't set in at 50, not at 55, not at 60, not at 65, not at 68. Getting a little nervous at 69. And I went over the hump. <laughs> now at 70, I'm looking, and it's going to be a God thing. It will be a God thing. I am not 71. I will be this year. <laughs> I don't think so. Awesome. It makes no difference. <laughs> You know what peace is? Peace is God in the presence of panic. That is peace. We think he's going to deliver us from our problems, but he wants to show us how big he is in our problems. Peace is the ability to remain faithful to what you're doing today whether it be with your family or in the church and serving God, what did he tell you to do to remain faithful today until we put our faith to work and we let him open the doors of that dream in his timing? You know, I read the Bible and it encourages. It encourages. There was a man named Moses God didn't even give him his assignment until he was 80. 
That's amazing. There's a man named Abraham who was having children at 100 years old. That changes the perspective. And I have a choice, and you have a choice, where you will focus your mind. What did the word say? You will keep, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on what? On him. On him. On what he has said, on where we're going with him, that's where the peace comes. Let's say it together one more time. Thou keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. It takes more trust at age 70 to believe that those things will happen than it did at age 20. Do you understand that? Okay. Unpleasant circumstances that cause panic. I tell you what, they're in abundance. I look back in my life and I remember probably some of the most difficult situations I have ever been in have been in Kenya. I remember we had traveled all day. I was supposed to speak at this church in the evening. And we got there late, and everybody was already in praise and worship, and they said, hurry, hurry. There was no denying it. I had to use the restroom. Um, this was a brand-new church. The building was up. They, now, over there, they have a 70-foot pit that they dig. And before they put a cement cover on top of it. They put a wood framework on top of it and it extends past the edges of the hole a good foot which should make it stable. There should be no loss of dirt or anything like that. So they explained this to me and they said you just be very careful. Don't let your foot slide off of the wood frame. Well, th there is no backing up. I mean, I have to use the facilities. And as I was preparing to use the facilities, my foot slipped off the frame, pushed the dirt from the side of the edge of this 70-foot pit. My foot went down, and it, from the knee, it went in that direction, and it was stuck and, the, and I was leaning against the wall of the pit. And all I could think of is, God, how is David ever going to tell my children that I died this way? <laughs> That's all I could think of. I yelled Jesus first. And then I yelled Stephen. Stephen's my bud. He's the fellow that acted as my guide and interpreter. And they got me out of the mess. And this is what the Holy Ghost said. You are not to be distracted. What do you mean? <laughs> I had human excrement all over my legs. I had mud all over me. They splashed a little water on and I said, we have to go now into that service. I went in. I never saw a service like that in my heart. I didn't have anything to do with it. That's what was so beautiful. I didn't have to preach anything. I didn't have to do anything. Heaven came down. People were falling all over the place. I left there that night, and I said, it was God. I love that. Goosebumps everywhere. But there was peace in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the storm. He didn't remove me from the storm. There was peace in the middle of the storm. We think in terms of when panic comes, we want to be delivered. He doesn't deliver us from struggle. All of nature really shows that to us. If you watch, well, 
The house that we used to live at before had a lot of cicadas that would come. They're bugs, good-sized bugs, and they attach themselves to the trees, build a little cocoon, and then there is a struggle to get out of the cocoon, and off they go, okay? My son found one and was looking at this tree, just intently looking at this tree. And he said, Mom, the bug can't get out. He said, I'm going to help the bug. Well, I had never thought about struggle and bugs before, and I didn't really care whether the cicada lived or died. So I said, well, help him then. He helped the bug, and the bug died. He was watching a program later on, and he came out to me and he said, you know why that bug died? What bug? I mean, it wasn't a big deal to me. It was a big deal to him. I said, what bug? What, what are we talking about? And he reminded me of the cicada. He said, it's just like chickens. They need the struggle to build up their strength for what's coming. I sat there and I thought to myself, God did not deliver the cicada from the struggle. That was part of its strength for existence. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't deliver us from the storm. I saw a painting once that is indelibly imprinted in my brain. The name of the painting was Peace. There's a horrible storm you can see coming over near the ocean. It's the big black clouds and you can see it raining in the distance. And in the forefront of the, the painting, there's a stone wall. And one of the stones is not there. And there's a mama bird with a bunch of little baby birds stuffed in that wall. And that's called peace. That's God. In the midst of the storm, there's a place of comfort. There's a place of security. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. He doesn't deliver us necessarily from conflict, but he gives us peace in the midst of that place. What time is it? I can't read that. 15 till. One day I was sitting in my kitchen table, and I know most of you have heard this, but a little bit for the benefit of just showing you the kinds of storms that can happen. I was preparing my Sunday school lesson for the next morning. It was on a Saturday night. Beautiful, gorgeous day. Oh, had all the windows open. Screens are on the windows. David is in the front yard with the dog. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and there is a window right there to the backyard. I heard a noise, and I looked up. I could not compute whether this was real or a dream. A man with a gun put his foot through the screen, crawled in, and was standing there with a gun and put it right to my head. He said, I want your money. Now, I'll tell you, that's a crisis. I didn't have time for anything else except one word, help. And he heard me. There is peace in the middle of crisis. There is peace. I didn't have time to think about it. I did not have time to write a script, ask anybody their advice. What came out of me was what God put in me. He wanted my money. I gave him my money. I didn't want him to be a thief. I was looking at him, and he says, I want this, and I want this, and I want your husband's billfold. He doesn't carry a billfold. Out of my belly, God was there. And it happened without forethought, 
my hand came up, I knocked the gun so the gun was pointed up there and not at my head. I knocked the gun and I went on the attack. If the name of Jesus doesn't work here, where does it work? And I went right for the demon that was in that man. I went right for his eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you get out of my house. This is my house. You can't have my house. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of my house. That man turned white, backed up, went right out the back door, ran across the parking lot, and never saw him again. God did not deliver me from that experience. But he was there every last second of it, taking care of his daughter, watching over me. I tell you what, that really gave me some praising stuff. Some stuff to just praise him and thank him and honor him for. When all, everything hits the fan, and we don't have it together, and we can't control the situation, God is there, and he says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind will focus in on me and lean on me, trust on me. It was there. It was in my belly. It was there. I knew what to do. <clears throat> Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. You see how that helps? Just having that down here and you can draw it up. When you don't have the answer... I've been there so many times. Trouble comes. Panic comes. I have no answers. And I hear God with a smile on his face say, Great, just where I wanted you. Lean not unto your own understanding. I hear the scripture way down on deep on the inside of me. I prove I don't have the answer. He has them when you can't control it, when you can't manipulate it. Marvelous. Just lean. Just lean. During times like this, I have been known to walk down the hallway, take a, just a pause, and just lean put my head down just as if I was leaning on the Lord. If you're not happy about what's happening and you're not singing hymns, I tell you, you go through a 70-foot pit experience or you go through a gun experience, your belly will be full of praise. And if you'll let it, I give you praise, Lord Jesus, I worship you, I honor and adore your name, I lift you high and give you all the honor, Lord, and worship your holy name, Jesus, Jesus, thank you. It comes from your belly. It just rolls out of your belly. It's not anything anybody ever taught me. It's just what's in my heart. Peace is a good thing. What about peace for a panic of an uncertain future? I tell you, all we have to do is just turn the news on pick up a newspaper, the world that we used to know is changing before our eyes. An uncertain future. What do I do? What will I do? How will I handle tomorrow? 
Will there be enough money for me? Do you hear those words? I, me. When it gets focused in like that, peace is the ability to wait patiently, patiently, in spite of the panic brought on by uncertainty. When there is no answer, there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no hope that the world has to offer at the moment. What do I do? I just lean. I just lean. I'm his child. He is absolutely 100% faithful. He would never, ever, ever let me, never going to let me go, never going to let me go without food. My God is a good God. You participated in a little investigation. We're going to sing a song together. Do any of you know this song? What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. There are a couple of you that know that. We'll sing it together. I said, Lord, I want to connect with these people. I, I, want, I want them not to, to look at just words, not even just experiences. But we're all believers, and we all are on our pathway trusting the Lord. Would you agree with that? We each have something that the other can draw from. We've been places, I've been in a pit. You haven't been in a pit. I hope you haven't anyway. I've had a gun to my head. You haven't had a gun to your head. But you know, I have something that I can share with you. We call that a fellowship, a group of people that can encourage. We're talking about panic. Panic happens. Tonight, it might happen to one, this person. Sunday, it might happen to that person, and they need assistance. In this room, they counted 51 people. That's 1,582 years of learning to trust in Jesus. Do you know how valuable that is? That means sometime time if I need, I'm in a pit and panic and is, it's got me. I'm not coming out of this as quick as I thought I should. Do you know what? I might call Elizabeth on the phone and she might have just exactly the words to say, the experience where she's been and her fellowship with me will bring me peace. Isn't that beautiful? That's what fellowship is all about. I am going to ask you to stand. And can we get in a big circle? We're going to hold hands. Come here, girl. Just attach somewhere. These are the words. What a fellowship. And we're going to concentrate on this fellowship. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, 
leaning on the everlasting arms. One more time. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Thank you, Jesus. Remember that Jesus is there in the midst of the panic, in the midst of the stress. Remember your brothers and sisters in Christ over a thousand five hundred hours of learning to lean on Jesus. Somebody has a word of encouragement for you. Somebody has an answer to help you through. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Thank you. What a good word. Praise the Lord. Peace. Perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Praise the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. Amen. We put that, as we put that into practice, wow, what a difference it makes in our lives. I've dealt with people, you know, with panic attacks and prayed with them and tried to help them. And it's such an irrational thing. A panic, you know, somebody has a true panic attack. You, you, you don't try to reason, you know, I mean, it does no good to try to reason. Well, now let's just calm down. It doesn't, you know, and unless without having something that we can put our trust in, put our trust in, there's no answer for it. You just have to try to live through it. But God, uh, he delivers us in that. It's beautiful scriptures, powerful scriptures. Amen.